Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. Part of what I want to talk about tonight is that it actually takes identity to create momentum. That's why I decided to go with identity, because we can talk about all these things we'd love to do, we'd love to see, we've been talking about these amazing things, but if you don't know who you are, if you don't know who he is, and you don't know who you are, and you don't know who you are to him, most of those things are going to be a thought, a dream, and an actual challenge, and they're not going to be a reality that you get to step into. So I really want to go after some identity tonight. You guys okay with that? All right, put your hands out in front of you. You're visiting, just hold on. Father, we just thank you, God, that your presence here. It wasn't stirred up by us, it was here already. Father, wherever we go, your presence is there. But Father, our awareness is kicked up right now. And Father, we want to recognize your presence. We want to invite more of your presence and more of your glory to come. There's no end to your presence. There's no end to your glory. So God, we ask for increase right now. Holy Spirit, come. Come deeper. Come wider. Touch us, God. Father, I, I thank you that every person in this room is here on purpose. They're here by your plan, by your design. God, that everyone here is here to hear you speak to them tonight. So, Father, I pray that your words go forth and they go deep in the hearts and minds of every person in here. I thank you, God, for what you're going to do in each one of us. I thank you for the revelation of who we are tonight, just opening up even more and seeing who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Oh, it's good to have friends in the house. People visiting from California, this is great. I've got friends I worked with in California 13 years ago in the house. This is amazing. Um, so I want to speak on identity and, and kind of what I, the way I was hearing this is, is it's identity to go. It takes identity to go. It takes identity to move into something. If you don't have a direction or a plan or a source that you're going from, you're kind of lost and just floundering out there. It takes identity to really go somewhere. And in worship, just right before we ended worship, I just heard, I literally felt like the Holy Spirit just made this statement. And I almost thought, am I changing everything I'm going to say tonight? This is awesome. And it was, true identity is unoffendable. I want to camp there a minute. How many of you, I'm going to put my hand up now because I qualify. How many of you have been offended in the last 24 hours at something? <laughs> last six hours? What time is it? Last two and a half hours? See, offense is something that we choose, but it is something that actually gets put on us. It's like the enemy is invisible and he walks around with this invisible cloak and he tries to lay it on your shoulders and you decide if you want to actually fasten it up and wear it or if you want to just cast it off and not allow it to be there. When you know yourself, you recognize that what's being put on you doesn't fit. When you know your true identity you will be able to cast off offense without regard because you recognize how uncomfortable it is. How many of you have ever put on somebody else's clothes and they weren't the right size? And it's really awkward when it's smaller because then it just really doesn't fit well. Now, that's not saying you won't be tempted to be offended, that you won't have stuff come into your life that is truly in a lot of ways 
reasonably offensive, but your decision to be offended is actually a choice. And once you know fully who you are, the truth of your identity, not good ideas about it, not I know kind of who I am, when you know your true identity, you are unoffendable. How often in the scriptures did we see Jesus get offended? It's a trick question. He actually did. But it's when there was defilement of his father's house. But when you know who you are and whose you are, offense isn't something you wear. And we can justify it by pain. Is pain real? Pain is real, but it doesn't give us justification to be offended. Offense is poison. It actually pollutes your relationship with God. This isn't my message. Just trying to see how many of you I can scare out of the room first and then. Man, I heard it because literally three hours ago, I was offended by something. And driving here, I'm like, give my, you know, this, yep, this, yep, it's all justified. And as I was doing it, it was like, but it's not really mine to hold. Because regardless of how intentional it felt, that's a child of God. Their identity doesn't change based on their actions. Neither do yours. Your identity is not dictated by your actions. Your identity is a truth established by the word of God and by our Father in heaven, and it cannot be changed. How you act on a daily basis may not line up with your identity, but it doesn't mean that the identity has changed at all. So how can I look at somebody else and say, they're wrong, they're bad, whatever, when they're the same child of God? You guys good? All right, we're going to do a little church aerobics tonight. So I am going to have you guys getting up and moving a little bit tonight. If you're not up to that, just go ahead and go home now. But if you are, that, if you get up and go home, I'm going to challenge you because that means you're willing to get up and move. So I'm feisty tonight. Can anyone tell? Ooh. Yeah, what's the difference? Uh, Romans 8.19, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing for the sons of God. Do you realize that everything that's been created is eagerly awaiting for us to step into our identity? You could spend the rest of your life trying to figure that one out. Everything that was created is waiting for you to recognize your identity. Man, I just want to camp on some of these for like three days. <clears throat> the truth of our identity. The, the, there is one place that the truth of our, of our identity is more established than anywhere else, and it's in the word of God. If you are challenged in your identity, you're probably either not in here enough or you need to be in here more. I, I spoke on this about six weeks ago about I had an encounter with God about the word of God. For 23 years, 24 years of being saved, something different happened about six weeks ago. And I will find myself still sometimes holding it and crying because of how precious it is, because I actually can't read the words because it's too emotional. I, I'm in love with the word of God in a way I didn't know was possible. And I'm recognizing that there are a lot of things that I believed incorrectly because I let someone else tell me what it said instead of the author. And I'm reading going, ooh, what I was taught was really good, but what you just said was way better. I've had to even look back and go, 
over all these years, I probably should go back and recant some of my messages because I've preached out of somebody else's theology instead of, instead of out of a conversation with my father telling me what truth was. This establishes identity more than anything else in your life. Now, there are a lot of other things, encounters with God, affirmations from people, from friends, fathers and mothers speaking identity into you. There are so many ways that God allows us to have our identity affirmed, but the word of God is the most foundational, critical, and stable form of identity in our lives. One of my favorite passages in scripture, I, I think from the moment I got saved, this has been a message on my life, is identity. Um, people that know me know that I sometimes can be comforting, sometimes. A lot of times, I'm more, I will look at you and just tell you to stop whatever you're doing and tell you who you are. Because if I can speak to the truth of who you are, it breaks you past the thing you're in. But identity has been a message on my heart since I got saved because it was so foundational for me. Those of you that, I'm gonna, I don't know why I'm going this direction. I think somebody needs to hear this. Those of you that don't know my story know that my mother was raped and that's how I was conceived. Growing up, not knowing that until the night my mom and dad got in a fight so bad that they decided to get a divorce and then finding out, oh, that's not my actual biological father. And then going from that into a blended family, he remarries. My stepbrother at one point says, you're nothing but a mistake because he heard about this. Makes you question your identity. Don't know who my father is. Was conceived in a way that is horrendous. And if you ask my mother about that event, she said... The man that raised me, my father, was sterile. My mom has, I don't agree with the way she thinks, but I love her heart posture. She says, and if this is the only way that I could have a blessing from God, I'd take it. That's messed up. <laughs> but it's amazing. But learning who I was in him changed everything. Because questions about who I was, I was trying to define through my worldly life. I was trying to define by my experiences, by my mistakes, by all these things, instead of going to the one and only place that my identity is truly defined. So when I had my encounter with God, and I got into the word, one of the first places he took me was this story. And it just, it changed my life. And one of the things that I need you to hear is that there is a difference in identity versus position. Some of you can be in a position and never be valued for that position and you really don't feel like you're worth anything because you've got a position but not an actual identity. Sadly, a lot of families are structured to where there's a lot of people in here that have probably not had a father or a mother in their lives or someone that there was caring for them. So you knew you were their child, but you didn't feel that relational connection. And love, love establishes true identity in the father over the position of an identity. Because a lot of you have heard you're a son, you're a daughter of God, but how many of you actually would say, I believe it with everything in me? A lot of us believe it, and we may have times where we're like, yes, I'm that, and it's more of a cry of wanting it than a cry of believing it. And that's because we understand the position of sonship, not the actual love and relationship of sonship. Awareness of our identity affirms our value in God. And identity is key to moving in the supernatural. So let me hit some of this. If your identity is found in what you do, then you'll always have to do more and achieve more to find your value. You will have a fear of failure and resist trying things because 
failure means a lack of identity. If your identity is found in what people think or say, then you will always try to please people to find your value. This creates a majority rule basis in your life, and eventually you'll lose your voice because you'll be afraid to speak out if somebody disagrees. If your identity is found in your past, then you will always be working toward truth and victory rather than from truth and victory. You have been made new in Christ. You have victory in your life because of Christ. So you should be living from that truth and from that victory instead of always searching for it. You guys good? You're quiet. I'm either offending you or offending you, so. <clears throat> Galatians 4. And because you are sons, God has set forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. When I first got saved, I knew I had a savior. I knew I had a Lord. I knew I had all these things. I didn't know I had a father. So many of us approach God. Now, the beautiful thing about God is he is perfect, holy, and separated. And he is a father who is near and never, never away. He's the only one that can be everywhere and at one place. He can be completely separated because of his holiness and residing inside of me because he desires me. He's perfect in that way. But I used to pray and not be able to say father because I didn't connect with that. And there was something lacking in my life. What lacked was identity. I actually knew I was now saved. I knew I had a Lord. I had all of these good things established in my life but I was lacking identity because I didn't have love from a father. I had salvation from a savior. Both are perfect and true, but you have to have that relationship. That relationship shapes and changes who you are into the perfect image that he created you in. See, every attack of the enemy will come to make you doubt him and your identity. Everything the enemy does is trying to get you to not believe in the fullness of him or the reality of who you are. Every attack. Our response should never be in reaction to the voice of the enemy, but instead of the promise of who God says we are. We must understand and walk in the one thing that the enemy hates to admit, and that's that we're loved. This is my favorite, one of my favorite places of scripture. In Matthew how many of you remember when Jesus is baptized? The heavens open up. The dove descends on him. And the heavens declare. His father declares, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. What happens right after he is actually blessed and told who he is. He doesn't go. He was led. This bugged me so much when I first got saved. And I'm going to not lie. It bugs me still sometimes. He was led by the Holy Spirit to be tempted. God will never tempt you. No, but he'll lead you there. I hate it when Christian, oh, God would never tempt you. No, but he will lead you to a place of temptation. Why? It establishes your identity and trust in him as a father. Do we often get led into the places that are less comfortable? Three and a half hours ago, I was led into a place of offense. I got led there. By the Holy Spirit or not, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I found myself in a place where I needed to actually recognize who he was and who I was. But Matthew, Matthew 3, the end of that verse, or the end of that chapter, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
I don't want to go through the whole scripture, but we continue to read how, how many times did the devil tempt Jesus? Good job. A couple of you know your word. Every time the devil tempted Jesus, he started with a phrase. If you are the son of God. See, the devil's really good at something. Using scripture to confuse your stance and to challenge your belief system. Because the devil actually comes with scripture each time. Actually quotes different scripture. If you are the son of God, what is he leaving out? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. If you are the son of God. The enemy comes to say, what's your position? When God actually said, this is my relationship. He establishes the love which creates true identity where the devil comes with truth, but he comes at it in a place of position to make you stop thinking about being loved and start qualifying your place in God. Once you begin to try to prove your position in God, you've forgotten you're a son and you've forgotten you have a father because you've put yourself in a place of employment. He always leaves out loved. When the word of God, by his voice, through prophetic, however it comes, when the word of God comes in love, how many times do we read in scripture, do these things in love? In love, because the nature of love is the nature of the father and the nature of identity. So when you speak to somebody, when you correct somebody in love, it's because you're calling identity forth, right? How many of you have been corrected by somebody and it didn't feel right? Two of you. How many of you have probably had almost the exact same words of correction come from someone else, but you're like, oh, yeah, I get it. Because one came with a heart of love to see you brought up to a place of where you're supposed to be. The other one came to put you in a position and say your position is out of alignment. Love will always invite you into accepting whatever's being given. How many of you could use a little of that right now? Only two of you. Man, this is going to be a quick night. I mean... You guys know everything and you don't need anything. This is awesome. Nobody needs encouragement tonight. Okay. How many of you know that the, the, the spirit of prophecy or the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy? Okay. How many of you know that prophecy comes to encourage? I'm, I'm listening because I heard a few other things. I'm like, I didn't know that was in there. That's interesting. To edify. When you give a prophetic word, it shouldn't be, hey, this is how dirty you are. It should be like, hey, in what's going on there, there's some gold. I'm going to actually call that gold out of the dirt and show it to you so you recognize that you've just got a little stuff going on. It's covering up who you really are. Who wants a little bit of gold plucked out of their life tonight? All right, can I get, I hit there's four of you, come on up. We're going, to take a, we're going to take a break. You guys okay with that? We're going to take a break. Oh, can you grab, hand me that other microphone? I've asked a few people to come up, and they've been praying throughout the whole service, just who's highlighted to them, and they're just going to prophesy. Actually, it's just this, yes, yep. They're going to just prophesy. I don't know who they're going to prophesy over. I've got a few people highlighted, and I'm going to put them on the spot because that's how I do things. But if they call you out, this is what I want you to do. Sit with an open heart. We are told to weigh and judge prophecy. That doesn't mean that you yell something right there in the middle of it. Judge it, weigh it, and if it feels like God is actually speaking through you. How many, how many of you have ever received a prophetic word, and in that word you're kind of like, 
that doesn't sound right, but something in you is like, yeah, but don't say it's not true because you just aren't seeing something yet. How many, I mean, I've gotten words where I'm like, wow, that feels so off, but I'm not allowed to say anything. And you know, a year and a half later, you're like, oh, wow, thank you, Father, for revealing a truth that was the seed of truth was planted by someone. I didn't understand it. I didn't agree with it because it didn't make sense then, but now you've actually been watering it for a year and a half, and now it's starting to blossom, and oh, thank you, God. Because I would have probably considered that my success, not your blessing in my life. And then sometimes you'll get a word, and you won't get one of those from this group. You'll get a word where it's like, Oh, I got to flush that thing because that belongs in the toilet. Um, that's not going to happen with this group of people. They're amazing. So open up your hearts. If you don't get called on for a prophetic word, it doesn't mean anything wrong. It just means we ran out of time. And if you really need a word, we're going to actually open up the altars at the end to come and get a word. But I'm going to let these people go ahead and jump in and just call out whoever they want. This gentleman in the Nirvana shirt, can you stand up and tell me your name, please? What is it? Eric. Eric, um, I remember when I was a young teenager and I heard Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit song for the first time. And it marked me because I had never heard a sound like that before in my life. I was doing the dishes. I could tell you who I was talking on the phone to. I could tell you everything about that moment. But I'm going to tell you something else, Eric. There is a sound in you that is far greater than Nirvana could ever release to a generation. And there is a sound of sonship on your life and a sound of righteousness on your life. And there is this generational echo of righteousness in your lineage that is fostering and pushing this roar of righteousness to come out of you and you have a breaker anointing on your life that when you release this sound it shatters the dimensions that are holding generations back that are similar to your peers and I want to declare over your life that your eyes are being opened and your ears are being opened to recognize the sound of heaven over your life and you're going to wake up in the middle of the night and you are going to hear this sound swirling over you and that is going to be an invitation and a beckoning to sit before the Lord so that he can just talk to you and whisper to you and as that whisper is cultivated you're going to know those moments in your life when that roar needs to be released and it will be the right place and the right time so Eric I bless your life and I bless the sound on your life I bless the breaker anointing of your life that you will come into an awareness of who you are as a son Okay, I was just praying, and I feel like there's multiple people that on the way here, you're like, Lord, I want a word tonight. If that's you, stand up. Like you specifically, uh, okay. All right. <laughs> this word is for you, and there's a lot of you, but I, he told me that. That was a word of knowledge. So, but I felt like the word was, uh, he gave me Isaiah 42, 16, and it says, I will lead the blind in ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake you. And I feel like we're talking about identity. There's areas or places where you feel like he's not there. Kind of like Eddie was saying, like he didn't feel like he knew what a father was. And I just want to declare over each one of you that in those areas, whether you're praying about finances, relationships, career, whatever it is, that he has not forsaken you because he's the great I am. So fill in the blank. What do you need him to be? He's going to show up for you in that way because he's your father, but he is the great I am. And so whatever that word, go back to that scripture and he's like, I'm with you in this thing. I'm with you in this thing because he's your father. Amen. Um, you're right here in the green with glasses. Yeah, if you could stand up. I saw you earlier tonight, and I was just immediately marked by just um, I, just a kindness. Like, I just felt like there's just such a kindness that the Lord has put in you and has put over you. And I saw a picture of a garden, and I heard the Lord say, good things grow. And I just feel that the Lord's trusted you with a lot of different things, and that there are things that you've been planting, things you've been going after, things that you've been sowing into. And I just see the fruit of those things coming because the Lord can trust you as a daughter. And I feel like you are just 
just at the beginning of something that's about to um, explode is the word that I keep hearing. Like you've, you've, you've tended, you've sowed, you've, you're, you're about ready to start reaping in the name of Jesus. Okay, the lady right here um, with the red hair. Yeah. So I have a scripture for you. It is Psalm 66. It says, I come before your presence with my sacrifice. I'll give you all that I have promised, everything I have. When I was overcome in my anguish, I promised to give you my sacrifice. Here it is. All that I said I would offer you is yours. And I see that you have been asking. And you have been given. Um, you say, okay, everything that I have is going to be yours. They say, you have sacrificed much. And everything that you have, have, that you have sacrificed is given back to you. Because there's more that he's promised you. And because those sacrifices were with a, with a heart that needed to hear him, he's going to bring you that back seven times more. Wow. Something I wanted to point out, and two of them did it. Anytime you hear a prophetic word released... It may be directly at somebody. If it is scripture, it is an open invitation for every person to receive that word. And a lot of times, I, I, I joke around this when it comes to healing, because, you know, word of knowledge, somebody be like, left knee, and I'm thinking, my right shoulder hurts, I'm standing up, because uh, God, God's the God of intercession. He's going to grab whatever he's going to, healing's in the room, he's going to, but when the word of God is released in a prophetic nature, even when it's given to someone because of their unique circumstances, a lot of times you'll be in the room and you're like, oh, I wish I got that word. You did. It is truth being released in an atmosphere. So anytime you hear a prophetic word that is released from the word of God, you are a recipient in the room to actually receive everything from that word. And I just felt like there were other people when he first started releasing that. I'm like, there's other people in the room that actually needed that word tonight. So that word was released to all of you. And then while he, I wasn't planning on doing this, but while you were standing up, just heard one thing. It's been worth it. And it doesn't feel like it, but it's been worth it. You've got such a, a purity in your heart in belief and trust that you've allowed yourself to have these little areas hidden saying, I still don't know if it was worth it. I trust you and I believe in you, but that hurts. It was worth it. It was worth it. This couple in the second row, sir, you have a hat on. Could y'all stand up, please? It's hard to see. What are your names? Keith and Susan. So I keep seeing a bridge uh, in front of you, and you are a patriarch and a matriarch who have cultivated the ability to equip people well. And you have given a gift to sustain the generations in a fashion that is so healthy and so holy. And it's because you have walked this bridge, where a lot of bridges actually, where you did not know what the other side led to, but your faith in the Lord knew it led you and knowing that it would lead you to the right place at the right time. And so you've inspired other people to come behind you to walk this bridge of faith because they know they will get to the other side. And I actually see the Holy Spirit saying, do you guys wanna bungee jump off this bridge? And yet knowing that it's safe and it's fun and it's joyful. And I just see new adventures for you. And I also see a branding iron that has an R on it. And it's branding your heart. And it's just the R is for refreshing. 
but it's not heat, it's not painful. There is this cooling effect to this branding iron that is so infilled with the glory of the Lord, such a refreshing and a renewing of heaven over your lives that I just wanna declare over you that this next season in your life is wild in the most awesome ways possible. And it is going to be so much fun for you too. Like the desires of your heart that you've wanted to do, you've put them aside. So actually, I, I even see that you've given room for other generations to come before you to fulfill what they need to do. But then the Lord is like, now it's your season to do what you need to do. And there's adventures with that, there's fun with that. So I just bless your steps that the Lord orders you to the right bridges at the right time, that you are crossing over into a new season. To, as you're going along this bridge, you get to do fun things like bungee jump into the glory. And it's gonna be awesome and you're gonna bounce right back up off this bridge and keep on going, but you're gonna inst inspire the generations to bungee jump right after you. And then uh, this gentleman, you're actually sitting next to the guy in the Nirvana shirt. You've got the hat on. Yes. What is your name? Elvis. Oh, this is so funny. Elvis, <laughs> I saw you standing in front of a jukebox. And you're looking at the names of the songs on this jukebox. And you're like, Lord, where is my song? Where is my song? And I heard the Lord say, look a little bit closer. And there is a song on that jukebox that has your name on it and it starts to play. The record pulls from this jukebox and it starts to play. And as this record called Elvis is playing, you are hearing the notes of heaven over your life and you are responding to that DNA that God has embedded with the moment you were conceived. You have such a destiny. You have such a story on your life. You actually should not be here in this room at this moment. The enemy has tried to take you out, but I tell you what, Elvis, you are being ushered into a new realm in your life with more authority than you've ever known before because you have a story to tell. You have a testimony to tell and people need to know the redemptive nature of the goodness of the Lord on Elvis's life. So I declare over you that the record of your identity, the record of sonship, the record of generational blessings that plays over your life will be a looping over your life and that from this moment forward, you move into a place where you, identity, you identify with the thumbprint, the thumbprint of heaven on your life. You have a kingdom dynamic that people need to hear what you have to say. Your words are powerful. Your words carry an anointing to do damage to the gates of hell because you understand what it means to walk away from the gates of hell and embrace the goodness of a father. So, Father, I just pray over Elvis's life. I thank you, Lord, that you are turning the tide on his behalf. You are turning a new chapter in on his behalf, and you are ushering him into an invitation to step into a new realm of heaven where he can taste and see that the Lord is good. And Proverbs, I believe it's 2012, that the Lord has made the seeing eye and the hearing ear and I see that your ears are being open and your eyes are being open because God needs you to look further to see how he made you to be that is so unique and so one of a kind that your footsteps, I see flames on your footsteps, Elvis, that as you walk, you are making a kingdom footprint in this land wherever you go. So I bless your life as a son of God. I bless your identity that is so anchored in the goodness of your maker that moving forward, you will will not question again who you are and where you are to go. Chris and Larissa, stand up, please. We were in a, I'm going to go quick, but we were in a meeting today, and I've been prophesying over both of them all day long, but I just felt the Holy Spirit highlight you guys uh, to honor you publicly and say publicly, so let's just reach our hands towards them. That, that you're not the backup plan as a worship leader or, or an admin, that we need what you carry as a spiritual mother and father, and it doesn't matter how old you are, you are a spiritual mother and you are a spiritual father, and this house needs what you guys carry. And we honor you, 
We honor the fire that you carry, and I just declare over you, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, this season is not that. He's doing a new thing in you, and he's doing a new thing through you, and we honor who you are. You're not becoming it, you are. We honor that right now, and we honor that as a house right now in Jesus' name. Seal it, Holy Spirit. We see you. <laughs> Chris, Larissa. Man. Ah, okay. Tapestries, when they're made, the threads are woven in and they're loose when they're first woven in. They have to be to be able to get through. You are coming into a cinching season where clarity of the vision is going to become so defined. It, it, it's like you knew what the picture was because you've seen it being woven, but it was blurry. It, wasn't, it didn't feel tight. It felt like, yes, we agree, we're all in, but this is a little off, and this doesn't feel like it's there, and it's a cinching season. And I, I really felt like there are loose, I don't know what this means, you'll, you'll take this. There have been loose threads in your family. Those loose threads are actually going to be, I don't, I, the way I visioned it is that when the cinching happens, those threads actually get sucked up in and they become a very distinct point in the big picture. So what's felt loose in your family is actually going to be a very prominent point of the vision that God's put over your lives. So bless you guys. So this is going to be for probably several people. And, and I'm going to go and say it. And then I want you to stand up if it is really in your heart. But you're going to know. All you lovers of God who want, who want to please him, come and listen. And I'll tell you what he did for me. I cried aloud to him with all my heart and he answered me. Now my mouth overflows with the highest praise. Huh? One of the things that I, you, um, that I carry is the Father's anointing. I carry that in I'm. I have been um, blessed to do that. And the Father's love is something that you cannot earn. It's given to you. So that love is yours. It cannot be taken away from you. It's all yours now. Because he gave it to you. And that love allows you to become who you are. That's what Eddie is saying. Remember that love is an overwhelming love that he gives you. Because he releases that to you freely. And whenever you think that you're missing it, just say thank you because it's yours. Um, there's a couple in this section here. I think you're second or third from the back, both wearing black, you two right here. Yeah, can you guys stand up? Are y'all together? You guys came together? Okay. Um, I just saw the words kind of hovering above your head that said, um, wait and see. And I got the sense that, that you both have just had this um, anticipation, this, this eagerness um, as you're just waiting to see what the Lord's about to do. And, and then I, I saw the Lord kind of blow over that banner, and he said, taste and see. 
And so I feel that the Lord is calling you into an invitation in this season where there's no more waiting, there's no more holding back. Like he's, he is calling you into a season of come in and see, test me and see that I am good. Come in closer, come in further, step your foot out farther, there's more. And I feel that like he's been growing your faith, both of you, um, but I just saw um, you, sir, I, I saw you almost like on the precipice of a, of a cliff and I just saw just a faith rising up in you and the Lord just giving you opportunity to just step out and move. And so I don't know what that means to, to you too, but I just felt like this eagerness and this waiting, the Lord is actually getting rid of that language in your vocabulary and he's saying, step in, time is now, in Jesus' name. How many people were encouraged by that? One of the things I learned a long time ago is if I am actually confident in who I am, I won't be disappointed when I don't receive. I actually get excited when someone else does because I see God at work in the moment and that doesn't have to actually qualify or disqualify anything in me because my identity isn't going to be affected by that. So it was really good to see a lot of hands go up. It's so encouraging to hear the word of God released over someone. Thank you, guys. Thank you, you four. Thank you so much. Mm. All right. So, Matthew. The devil leaves out the word loved, beloved. But Jesus' response was always with three words. It is written. Our identity should be defined by the word of God and what our Father says about us. If Jesus himself was able to combat temptation from the enemy who was using scripture, if his response was, it is written, he's speaking from a place of truth, knowing who he is and knowing who he is. And it is written will actually defy any lie spoken over you. Greatest truth about who you are is in these pages. Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. If it's true that the value of something is measured by what someone will pay for it, then we need to rethink our value. Jesus paid for you and I. And if you ever think of yourself as not enough, you're devaluing the price that was paid for your life. If you believe you're worthless, it'd be very hard to worship a God who thought you were worth dying for. If, when I hear people say, oh, it's just so hard to get into worship, it's because something was inhibiting you from actually knowing who you are and what was happening in that moment. Because once you realize exactly who you are, nothing can get in between you and worshiping your father. That sounds simple. It is. It's not easy. It's not easy to press past pain and challenges and circumstances. That's not easy at all, but it's very simple. Know who you are. First Peter, I'm going to do this out of the Passion Translation. But you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would, be, so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. There is purpose in your identity. Your life should broadcast the glorious wonders of who he is. Everything about your life should be an invitation for people to know God. Romans, well, hold on. We as Christians sometimes get stuck in this idea that failure, that mistakes, that messing up 
tarnishes the name of God. If we're real, a lot of the reasons that we don't pray for someone to get healed is because we're afraid they won't. And if they don't, then that person may actually think, well, God isn't real. You're not good enough to defile his name. You're not that powerful. What was one of the first points I talked about? Love. If you actually pray for someone out of the love of God, the result is his, not yours. You don't have anything to worry about. I know so many people that have gotten saved by not getting healed. It sounds funny, but they're like, I've never seen somebody with that much faith. I don't understand why you, like, you asked like three times if I could continue to pray. Why do you actually think that's going to happen? It didn't happen, but I don't understand where you were coming from. They're so confused because they saw I had all the faith in the world that they would get healed, but it honestly didn't matter to me. When I pray for someone's healing, I would love to see them healed. I really don't have a stake in the game. I want them to be introduced to the Father who loves them. He can do the rest. Love says go. Love pushes you forward. Fear disables you from stepping forward in what he's called you to do. Because you're afraid you're going to tarnish his name by it not working out that way. Why do we hide our mistakes? I'm going to give you a little secret. Most sin starts as a mistake. We hide it because we're afraid that somebody will see our mistake and that it actually bears fruit in our bodies and becomes sin. Becomes a pattern, becomes something that we begin to cultivate because we didn't allow it to come into the light. We didn't actually offer it as something to God saying, I'm, un, I'm imperfect. Do you know that, that most people want to see imperfect Christians? They don't want to see perfect Christians. They don't want to see people that aren't struggling. They don't want to see people that aren't making mistakes or having challenges in their lives. If you've ever read your Bible, we're supposed to live like Jesus. Have you ever read what he went through? Really? But what was his response to every circumstance that came? Your will. Not my will, but your will. What did he do regularly? I need to go spend time with the Father. Because spending time with the Father reaffirmed his identity. It gave him everything he needed to step forward into the next. Even Jesus at a point was like, take this cup from me. But then he recognized, I'm allowing something to speak forth. So let me realign myself to truth. Not my will, but yours be done. And he fulfilled what he was called to do. We have to quit trying to be perfect Christians. We have to quit trying to be people that don't make mistakes. We need to be transparent enough to show the ugliness in us at times. Now, is it meant to be a testimony? Ha ha, I messed up. And God loves me anyway. No, that's not what we're talking about. It's, hey, I messed up. But who I am in God is so perfect that I'm going to continue to turn my eyes towards him and I'm going to align myself to where that doesn't become something that happens in my life, it happened in my life. If you don't believe you're a child of God, then all the gifts and the promised inheritance become something you have to earn. It creates a lie that you can be disqualified or that you don't actually deserve it. How many of you know that the Bible is full of promises over your life? Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and as children, heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. How many of you would like what Christ received 
as a gift. How many of you would like the inheritance that Jesus has right now? We are co-heirs to that inheritance. Some of you should be a little more excited about that. I think some of you are still thinking about what he went through to get it. I said that on purpose. He didn't go through anything to get his reward. His reward was based on his identity. Don't allow yourself to get confused and think that you can qualify or disqualify yourself out of what was promised. Because that's saying that he isn't a God of his word. And that what he says about us and what he says about himself is conditional. And that's not my God. Our identity is also a basic foundation of the supernatural. I sometimes, hello? I actually expect one day to make a joke like that and then to hear this voice. It's like, oh, okay. You know, we can sometimes over-spiritualize and mystify the supernatural. The church is so guilty of mystifying the supernatural and actually giving credit to the demonic when supernatural stuff happens sometimes. See, there are other forces. How many of you realize there are other forces in play rather than just God? There's an enemy, and he comes in many forms. How many of you know that they don't actually disbelieve what they have the ability to step into? They only get a copy and a false reproduction of what's actually available to us, but we sometimes fend away from supernatural things thinking, oh, that, 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 that looks like, that, that looks demonic. Actually, my Bible said it was something that we were allowed to do. Somebody else did it before us, and now we don't like it. When Moses went before Pharaoh, they did the same things he was doing. He just did it better. Because he did it with true power and authority. They did it with a fabrication. We've got to stop being afraid of supernatural things. We need to understand that it isn't something far away and out there, but it's actually part of who you are. Do you, do, does everybody in here understand that you're a supernatural being now? When God made it possible for the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead to live inside of you, it made it powerlessness unacceptable. If you're not walking in power, it's because you don't actually understand who's inside you. Or you locked the box and didn't let him come out. When you've been given the spirit of God, you lose the privilege of saying, I'm only human. I love super, super movies, like all the cool little heroes, the superheroes and Marvel and DC. I love them. I think they're funny. I think they're awesome. I love them. Because in the back of my mind, it just reminds me, you know what? I am supernatural. I do have superpowers. may not look like that. Some of it would be kind of cool. Doesn't look like that. But I'm actually not going to disqualify whatever God wants to do in my life. How many of you have read the Bible and read some of the weird things that people have done with the power of God in them and thought, oh, no. No, no, no. Raising a dead body by laying on it, palm to palm, face to face. That's just weird. I've tried it. You think I'm joking. I tried to raise a body, a family member that had passed, and I walked in and I just felt like I was supposed to try it, so I did. Didn't change anything in them, but it changed something in me. Am I afraid to do what I've been invited to actually do? 
I say this a lot jokingly, but I'm very serious about it. I will walk on water someday. I try periodically. I tried today. <laughs> Kids didn't know what I do. They thought it was just funny, but I'm just like, and there I was in the water. <laughs> Been really cool if I had just walked across. I say it joking because it makes it more comfortable for you. But the reality is, how many times have you risked doing something natural, unnatural? How many times have you risked doing something supernatural with your life? Just, if you have to use the prophet Google to figure it out, look up miracles in the Bible. See what kind of miracles have been done. Make yourself a checklist and just start trying. <laughs> if anything, it'll make a great YouTube video. I mean, <laughs> heavenly identity can give you authority, favor, and influence beyond your current circumstances or position. How many of you have ever met somebody that knows who they are? Now, let me, let me preface this. There are a lot of people that are not Christian that are confident about who they are. They're missing the source of truth, but they actually somehow believe the truth about who they are. They just don't know where it came from. How many of you ever met those people? Whether you love or hate them, they're attractive. They're inspiring. I kind of want to be around those kind of people. I want to introduce them to the source, but it's amazing when you find somebody that's so confident about who they are. What if every person in this room actually got to the place where you knew fully who you were in God? How many people in this city would be affected in the next week? Because everybody would be like, they may have met you for five seconds. They're going to see, feel, and want whatever's on you in that moment. Because you exude a confidence I think identity actually releases a spiritual atmosphere around you. Because I've been in, how many of you have ever been in a room and somebody walks in the room, you're like, something just entered the room. And then you watch this person and you're like, I don't know who that is, but it's almost like, I want to know them, want to know about them, because they carry something. Often it's because they're very sure about who they are, guided or misguided on where the source comes from. But people actually carry an atmosphere when they actually know who they are. When you become aware of who you really are, you actually won't position yourself to get into heaven. You'll understand that heaven positioned itself to get into you. Some of us spend most of our lives trying to make sure we're going to make it. But you have to realize we already did. And all of heaven is just wanting to be where you are. And all of creation is waiting for you to actually say yes to it. Love establishes true identity in the Father over the position of identity. Awareness of our identity affirms our value in God. And identity is key to moving in the supernatural. Why don't you guys stand up really quick? I want you to think about these things I'm going to say right now. Just, just, only got a few more minutes to deal with me, so. You have been put in this time and day. Why? You were created in this time and this day for a purpose. Why? What does your life represent? Are you impacting in this time and day and bringing glory to God with your life? Everybody has to understand, you're always influencing someone. Always. What nature of God does the world encounter by your life? When somebody sees your life, can they point out an aspect or a nature of God? 
We're going to do something for a couple minutes. Um, this is going to be uncomfortable for some of you, and I'm okay with that. <clears throat> and it shouldn't really be too hard because I'm not asking you to prophesy or do something super scary and super spiritual, even though that's not super scary or super spiritual. But we're going to do a little bit of affirmations and just calling out the golden people. You can look at anybody, you can walk up to anybody in the room and just say, you're an amazing man. God thinks you're amazing. He's got a call on your life. Like, you can say anything positive to affirm that person and their identity in that moment. So it doesn't have to be super, ooh, this was so profound. It made my life change and I'm going to leave here different. Sometimes the simplest word of, and you're an amazing man and God loves you, can change somebody's life. 1 John 3, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Ephesians, it's funny, in preparing for this, I was reading Ephesians earlier this week, and I felt like this summed up a lot of what I wanted to talk about. Just identity says go. It's the love, it's the affirmation, and the stepping into the supernatural. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father, the father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate with him with all our hearts. And in, lo in love, he chose us before he laid the foundations of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for the beloved Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.